Michelle here. So today I am going to remove the music, all of the bells and whistles, and we're just going to have a heart-to-heart talk and just get right into it. And if you hear my voice cracking, um, (laughs) I spent the past hour before jumping on to the recording of this episode, just kind of releasing, letting all of my emotions out. And so this is a little bit of the aftermath of just like crying, grieving, making sense of my own experience and my own journey up to this point. As you have noticed, um, if you've been listening to my podcast uh, since the beginning, thank you. And if you have recently discovered my podcast, welcome. I have a style and tendency of sharing things that I am currently in the middle of, um, currently in the middle of dealing with, whether I'm dealing with it myself or am currently in situations where I'm working with people that are experiencing this. Everything that I share with you in real time is displaying my journey putting it on full display, the messiness of it, the chaoticness, the imperfections. And so, if in today's episode I am showing up a little bit all over the place and my emotions show up a little bit all over the place, please forgive me. I figured uh, rather than seeking perfection and editing this to the point where it's so finesse it loses its uh, point that I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that we are the creators of our own lives and we are constantly put into a position um, by choice whether or not we are choosing to be a victim of our circumstances or choosing to acknowledge what has happened, what is out of our control and decide to make choices from the perspective, from knowing that we are responsible for the quality of our life in the present moment, despite, despite, despite the hand we've been dealt with, despite situations and circumstances being out of our control. So before I dive deep into this episode and talk about the definition of what it means to be a victim, uh, what societal's expectation of what being a victim entails, what victim consciousness is, and how we can shift from that frame, from that state, into a place where we are in control of our lives, despite the circumstances. Before I get into all of that and share a little bit with you my own journey on how I started off very much in victim consciousness for the longest time, um, being hit multiple times over and over again with situations being out of my control and knowing what it feels like to build something um, out of 
the hands you were dealt with and having it fall apart. And so you're constantly transmuting from ruin, from chaos into something beautiful only to create something new again. Like that cycle. It reminds me a lot of the Ors burrows, the snake symbol of um, eating its own tail and forming that circle. Um, if you're not familiar with the Ouroboros. So before we get into all of that, I want to highlight and make note that I know that this is a touchy subject for a lot of people. I know that there are people in the world that deal with mental illness, with trauma, and I'm no stranger to that as well. And it is not to disregard that. It is not to disregard what you're dealing with and how hard it is and how much it hurts. All of that still exists. We're not bypassing that in this conversation. Taking responsibility for the circumstances of our life is allowing this choice to exist even in the state of knowing what hurts us. So I want to make that very clear before I begin talking about victim consciousness. So with that said, what is a victim? A standard definition, and we will get deeper into the nuances of this, is what is being a victim? How does a victim think? So a victim is somebody who gives away complete control of their life. Um, Something may have happened to that person, individual. Um, It was against their will or they simply had no control over the situation. A, A domino effect might have happened. Something in the environment um, outside of them, an external stimuli happened and they had no ability to respond or react to the situation. That choice was taken from them in the moment that something happened. Um, And they now have to live with the consequences of not being able to have done something about it. Um, Not have had the opportunity to react in a different way or react at all. And so there is a suffering that happens, a disempowerment that happens when they feel like there are no options after this circumstance and that this is something that they need to deal with, whether they deal with through the mindset of consciousness of having this become their identity and this is who I am, I'm a victim, moving forward, I can't make this choice, I can't take this action, I can't do this, I can't do that, this is too hard because of this, because of that, therefore I won't do this. All of this becomes this embodied victim consciousness state. In addition to what is not helpful and adds on to this feedback loop of keeping someone in this state of victim consciousness, if we incorporate cognitive behavioral therapy and cognitive distortions into this conversation, 
oftentimes people that experience or um, embody this victim consciousness and use this to dictate how they live their lives, they oftentimes experience two common cognitive distortions. The first one is black and white thinking. All or nothing. Um, Polarizing viewpoints. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. There's no meeting in the middle with their beliefs. And when people are in a state of polarized thinking, and you can see the parallelism in today's society, how people are handle um, situations that are circumstance of victim consciousness and taking it to the next level and removing the responsibility that they can do something about it or make a choice. And so there's no resolve. There is a feeling of futility that happens when someone gives up their responsibility gives up the empowerment that they can live their own life moving forward to better their circumstances from what they've been dealt with. And so black and white thinking is also paired with catastrophic thinking. And what is catastrophic thinking? It's ruminating about worst case outcomes before they even happen. Um, having this constant state of thinking the worst that could possibly happen. And it causes anxiety. It puts people in a state of fight or flight. Their nervous system gets compromised. When they imagine it and they're thinking it, whether it's happening in real time or not, their body gets flooded with the same pain, the same emotion, the same chemicals and hormones as if it was actually, if the worst case outcome was happening in real time, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so these are two common It's not limited to this, but these are two common cognitive distortions that are usually playing out when someone is experiencing victim consciousness. This is the feedback loop that creates the chaos and almost creates an addictive quality to it where it becomes one's own identity. So without it, if we were to think a different way or if we invited ourselves to feel a different way, it's a threat to our identity. So we're locked in to this loop. So now the question that we have to ask is how do we stop this loop? How do we stop catastrophic thinking? How do we stop black and white thinking? So what has been helping me, especially when I was seeing the influx and the surge of the Asian hate um, attacks as a result from the pandemic and people pointing fingers and blaming and needing something to scapegoat their anxiety out of um, and seeing the surge of violence and slashings. There was a period of time where I was terrified of going outside, going to a grocery store. Um, And this started last year at the height of everything happening with the pandemic. When my tendency 
when it comes to my feedback loop of catastrophic thinking, black and white thinking, is the lizard brain part of me, the fearful part of me, will have that thought that says, if you go to a grocery store, someone's going to hurt you. Um, If someone is holding something, it might be a gun. Uh, It might be a knife. Um, Didn't you see that news report out in Texas where an entire family, an Asian family, was murdered for simply being Asian? Did you see this report where someone went into a parlor and shot up the whole place because the people in the parlor were Asian? So that's the thought that comes up and this feedback loop starts happening. And so for the first five to six months, it was hell on earth, uh, which is an understatement. Feeling my body flood with those chemicals of fear, of anxiety, and having that loop be activated. Your body starts hyperventilating, your heart beats really fast, you become unresponsive, you're kind of in shock. Um, It's really hard to do normal things. And so what happened was I had to take some time, take a step back, and feels counterintuitive, but identify what is happening. So right now, as we're having this conversation, this is a form of identification. What is this? This is catastrophic thinking. I am currently in a chaotic thought loop that isn't helping me or serving me. And I have to look at my reality through a more objective lens, invite that in. And I have to ask myself certain questions to get myself out of this loop. So it's a series of coaching myself through this and it's a self-soothing technique. And I ask myself, How many times did I go to the grocery store and go outside and everything was fine? No one hurt me. No one lashed out on me. Everything was okay. And then I tell myself every single time. And then I also ask myself questions. How many times today did someone smile at you, greeted you, paid you a compliment, asked you how your day was. How many people do you have in your life that don't hate your guts because you are Asian? Because they find you to be the scapegoat of everything. And I'm like, this person supports me. That person supports me. I went to the grocery store, the person at the register smiled at me and made conversation with me. There are different things happening in my external reality that's combating the catastrophic thinking and outcome that I am currently experiencing that I've created in my mind as a feedback loop. And slowly but surely, when I move away from dwelling on catastrophic thinking to questioning it with objective things that are happening within my reality in real time and just kind of analyzing certain patterns and almost being a scientist, 
taking my thoughts out of it for a second and being like, okay, let me test this hypothesis. What has actually happened? What has been happening? What is the probability of my catastrophic thinking happening? And how am I behaving as a result of my black and white catastrophic thinking that could create a self-fulfilling prophecy? More anxiety, more black and white thinking, more catastrophic thinking. Dwelling into this feedback loop for too long can create a friggin' mental breakdown. Not helpful, not healthy. And so there's identification, focusing on things within our reality that are challenging catastrophic thinking, black and white thinking. And there is another strategy that one of my spiritual mentors taught me. And it's a very unorthodox approach. I haven't heard anyone share this with me, but I'm going to share it with you today because it helped me tremendously. Think of your thoughts as a, a glass, a fragile glass bowl, glass cup, something that can be breakable and has like a shattering effect. So imagine your chaotic thoughts, things that are not helpful, the negative dialogue in your head being formed into this crystallized, shatterable bowl. And whenever you catch yourself having this feedback loop or thought, imagine in your mind, it's an imagination game, you dropping the bowl and shattering it. And if you are more auditory based, you can actually practice this meditation tool by listening to glass shattering sound effects on YouTube. You could type it in. And so I trained myself to close my eyes. This is a meditation tool that I started with at the height of my anxiety. Um, I would just have a negative thought come up or a belief about myself that was really not helpful. And I would imagine myself just holding onto a glass bowl or a glass cup and playing that shattering sound over and over again and as I hear the shatter I imagine my thoughts embodied in this glass bowl shatter as well I have the imagination and I have the ability to shatter that thought to shatter that feedback loop through embodying this object when we hold on to something tangible and use embodying metaphors, we're able to snap out of a way of thinking that has kept us stuck. So this is something that I really invite you to try. And if it really helps, and if you're tactile, you can even hold onto a glass bowl in your hand and just see what it feels like and play the shattering in the background. And if you really want to get crazy with it, feel free to um, go get some glass cups and bowls, go to a safe area and like shatter it and hear the sound and like imagine yourself breaking the bowl and you can maybe even kintsugi it if you want to, to make something more beautiful out of it. Um, but my point is you can actually use meditative, um, imaginary tools and transfer your thoughts onto a tangible object 
and use auditory sounds and tactile sensations using touch to imagine your thoughts shattering, holding onto that glass bowl. So an unorthodox way of approaching this, but something that has actually worked for me and really helped me get out of that feedback state, that catastrophic thinking. And so fast forward to today, when I go to grocery stores and whatnot, I don't feel that anxiety on the level that I felt earlier previously. Um, It has been so much better for me. And my nervous system doesn't feel flooded. Um, I don't experience that trauma response or fight or flight like I used to. And so this is something that takes time. It takes patience and a consistent practice. It's not a, oh, um, if I just do this one technique, my trauma just disappears overnight. It doesn't work that way. But if you if you find something like that, please let me know. But I haven't found a method where you can instantaneously overnight get rid of that. Uh, nervous system needs time. Um, time is truly the greatest medicine when you can enrich it with all of these helpful supportive tools such as this to get you out of that catastrophic feedback loop, that catastrophic state. We're removing our dependency and our addictive thoughts that's been directed down that path for a little bit too long. And so it takes some time for our brain to rewire itself to no longer think those thoughts, to no longer be in that loop. Another thing that is helpful is looking for expanders. Um, People that you know in your life or seeking out those people, those mentors, um, those individuals that you can befriend or connect with that have gone through extraordinary challenges and circumstances and not let that dictate how they finish their story, how they're writing their story currently. Oftentimes, we need something to aspire to. Um, It's another tangible way of making sense of our current concept and organization of how we view the world and our lives in it. And if we can see that it's possible, it's been done before, something has experienced, someone has experienced this and this is what they made of it. This is what, this is how they decided to take action as a result of the things that have occurred in their life. This is how they made sense of it. This is their meaning. When you see more and more examples of that, it allows you to expand your own perspective and possibilities. It expands the choices that you could make because you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, wow, that's a choice. I could actually have that. This is possible for me despite this, despite that. And more oftentimes than not, the answer is yes. Despite this, you can have that. Despite that, you can achieve this. Those people in our lives, if you currently don't have them, if currently uh, as a direct result of this feedback loop you're in, 
you currently haven't had people in your life that can help you see something different, I really invite you to put in the effort, take the time, look for those people, even in media, um, even looking at your favorite writers. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone interpersonal, someone that you know personally. It could be someone that you look up to in the public eye, where you appreciate their view of the world. Um, you appreciate how they're expanding, what their journey entails, what they started off with and where they're headed. Um, that is also helpful as well. There's also an emotional resilience element to all of this. And having the willingness and the discipline to take responsibility of our lives. We really step into the embodiment and, and apply that with our entire being. The reason why it's so hard for people that enter victimization state to step out of it is because admitting to yourself that you are responsible for your life, how you write your story, it's very scary. It's heavy. There's a lot of pressure. Um, taking responsibility for things isn't something that's necessarily easy. It's very much in the mindset of long-term gratification. Looking beyond the horizon and imagining a life and believing that it is possible and doing the diligent work every day, moving the needle to take responsibility, starting from making your bed in the morning, starting with something so simple, crediting Jordan Peterson to this. And so it requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of shifts in our mindset, in our growth of personal development. And with social media, with short-term gratification. We are also living in a world where what if we are unconscious, we choose to stay in that unconscious state, and if we are shown things in our reality where we have the opportunity to question it, does it have to be this way, and we choose to be in a denial state because of fear, fear of having to do the work fear of it being too hard to step into that state of responsibility, having a step into a state of self-sovereignty, knowing that we are a creator in our own right and that we can make choices as well, despite everything that has occurred, we then have to take on the weight of that and it has its rewards long-term gratification has its rewards it, it's a patient waiting game it's a it's a time game how much are you willing to put in the work to reach that state because certainly taking responsibility today if you were to tell yourself okay i'm gonna start taking responsibility for my life today if you're waiting for an end date, it's like, okay, and then by this date, I no longer have to take responsibility. It's not going to work. 
it's a it's a being thing it's a state of being thing it's a mindset thing it is this is who i am as a person i'm a person that takes responsibility this is who i am this is how i'm going to be i'm going to make choices based off of what i want how i want to write my story getting out of victim consciousness also requires a level of surrendering to an egoic death. Releasing the ego from the shackles of victimization. So essentially saying, fuck you to the ego. I want to take massive action. I no longer want to sit by the sidelines and see life pass me by. I need to reparent my brain, my nervous system, and come up with more productive, self-soothing techniques that actually gives me the results that I want to see in my life. And so one of the ways to train our reticular activating system is really embodying NLP techniques here. The words that we say really creates the strength and the muscle of the feedback loop that we're in. So if you say phrases that keeps you in victim consciousness, such as, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's impossible. This is impossible. There's no possible way. It's too hard. It is too hard. Life is unfair. I must do this. I have to do this. I've never done that. I don't, I I can't ever do that. What if I fail? What if I don't make it? It is their fault. They did this to me. He did this to me. She did this to me. I've already done that. Might have been half-assed, but no, it didn't work. Ruling it out immediately. Words like never, always, all or nothing thinking, catastrophic thinking always comes with strong, extreme, polarizing, all or nothing words like never, always, can't, won't. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. This is pointless. This is too much effort, too much work. It's too late for me. I've wasted too much time. This is too easy. There's something wrong here. This is too good to be true. How is this possible? All of these phrases constructs the strength and the muscle of victim consciousness and being in a state of victim consciousness. And so I also want to talk about the different stages that we can arrive to. And usually when we are in a state of victim consciousness and we have the willingness to move out of it, we can break this down into 
four stages, but it's not limited to this. So the first stage is victim stage. So a victim stage is someone who is currently in a state of giving away complete control of their life. The emotions, the state that follows is futility, apathy, nihilism, a feeling of surrendering, but not in the way of surrendering with positive feelings. It's very much rather, I give up on life. I give up on believing that I'm worthy, that I'm deserving of living a good life. So that's stage one. And this has been a state, and it's a spectrum of extremities, Whenever I've dealt with something that was circumstantial, I didn't ask for it, I didn't expect this, it truly felt like it fell into my lap and it's like, here you go, Michelle, here's, here's another trauma, there's another tragedy that you have to deal with. Uh, this state is very easy to succumb to and, and this state is something that I, I am very familiar with. And then stage two, we get into warrior fighter stage. And this is a stage where it's very abrasive, tension, conflict, explosiveness, whether it's you're uh, internalizing it or externalizing it. Um, it's a feeling and a state of I must fight for my survival might be a compromise of my moral compass and my values, but we get into a state of extremity where it's win or lose, dog-eat-dog -dog world, and so a result of this is you will get people in this stage who are angry. They take it out on people. They, like, combative, defensive, confrontational, constantly frustrated, um, they believe themselves to be better or superior than the victim. So this stage is still not helpful. <laughs> However, this state is better than victim state because when you're in stage two, when you're in stage warrior, although it depending on the actions that you take and how you handle conflict and confrontation, you are starting to acquire a different feedback loop where you are taking action. You are making choices. You're in a state of, I am worthy of fighting for myself. I am worthy of getting off the floor, being in a helpless state, and actually doing something about it. So stage two is not a matter of judging how they're handling it, how they're handling the deservingness of taking action, of fighting for themselves, because they've just got out of victim state. So they need a period of recalibration and making sense of their actions and having the opportunity to change them and shift into a state of creator, which is stage three. So when the dust settles, the anger passes, where are we at? 
what's in front of us. What do we do now? We're in a state of surrendering. We've taken out our anger. We've been in a state of frustration. All of that has passed. We've released all of that. Now, I want to create something. I I want to work on a project. I want to make something. Not to dig at someone's point of view or not to make someone else feel bad. I just want to feel better. Like, I'm, I'm tired of being in a helpless state. I'm tired of being angry. I actually want to do something. Like, I've had my time to grieve. I've had my time to feel hopeless. I've had my time to get out of this depressive state and I've had my time to process my anger. What now? We create. Humans by nature, they like to solve problems. They like to create things. And so now we are in a state of questioning. What is it that you would like to do to really embody that play? How to cultivate that creativity? Time and creativity is one of the greatest medicines. When we don't even have any intention in in this state, when we are recovering victims out of victim consciousness and we're trying to get out of that state, let's not assign pressure or intention to why we're creating. We're creating for the sake of creating because we want to, because it's helpful, because it makes us not hate ourselves, because it makes us not hate the world and the people in it. Let me see what interests me. Let me be in a state of making something out of nothing. And it is the embodiment of all of these choices mixed with creativity and thought and emotion and putting it into something tangible, something that is a healthy outlet. And then we move into stage four and stage four is peace. And I would consider this stage to be the ultimate state of surrender, but surrendering to accepting the duality and the paradox of life, of really accepting that there are a lot of things in life that are not in our control, and at the same time, there is a level of free will and the ability to make choices. The best way that I can explain surrender in a way that has made sense to my current concept in the world of the world and I know this is something that will evolve as I move through life and go through more and more new experiences it's going back to the symbolism of the Ouroboros the snake eating itself and it really conveys that surrender where we are in this cycle of life and in the cycle of life in these stages in our journey there is no beginning and there is no end and so I want to say that when we get out of our victim consciousness and we move through these stages it's not the end 
there will be challenges up ahead, new lessons that are unfolding, not to you, but for you. What is it here trying to teach you? What does it want you to make sense of? We're constantly in the cycle of understanding ourselves, being in the fall and being in the rise. And this crescendo that never ends, there's no starting point and there's no ending point. It's in parallel to the state of surrender itself. Knowing how to play with this paradox and the duality of the state allows us to be in the state of stage four, be in the state of peace. And so I'm currently going through this cycle again. And maybe in the next year, something might happen where I have to make sense of it. And then I go through these four cycles of victim, of warrior, of creator, of peace. And this is something that I have come to accept, no longer fight. And now that I am in the state of awareness, of knowing that in this collective, whether someone wants to consciously accept this or not, they're going through this no matter what. And if they hang on to one state, they can't complete that cycle. They can't understand the lesson and the meaning of this. And then they're stuck. And then the challenges just compile on and compile on and compile on. It's a domino effect. And so being in the eye of the storm, honoring the cycle of life, and knowing that it's a play, finding that sweet spot between making empowered choices and knowing how to surrender to this cycle. Knowing that we can go through these stages with grace and having that flexibility and allowing things to unfold for us so it can teach us ways of how to just be a happier, more fulfilled human being. I think at the end of the day, when we let go of that ego, that's all we can hope for. This feeling of peace, this feeling of acceptance, despite, despite, despite.